On the podcast today, we have Kate Cervini. Kate is a born and raised entrepreneur who drew inspiration from her family in Michigan and her 13 years experience in the menswear fashion industry in bringing her luxury travel beauty brand 100ml to market. 100ml launched last year and is a modern convenient solution to the problems faced by the beauty and wellness conscious traveler, combining travel size body care, wellness supplements, and sexual well-being products with air travel, security compliant, yet aesthetic design. We talked to Kate about her background in fashion, how she ideated and realized her brand concept, how she attracts and retains and grows her partnerships with major brands such as Aesop, Mode, Ursula Major, the company structure, and what comes next for the company. Let's dive in. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. In your own words, could you introduce yourself and tell us about your journey so far? Sure. Hi, Maeve. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited about this. So um, my name is Kate Cervini. I'm the CEO and founder of 100ML, and we are a marketplace for the modern traveler. We offer a very great curated range of clean beauty, skincare, wellness, everything from skincare, body care, dental care, sexual health to wellness supplements. We did a friends and family launch last November and we did our soft launch earlier this year. So we're not even a year in yet. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's what I've been up to. But I come from the fashion industry. I've been in the industry for over 13 years. I started my career at Details Magazine, which was part of the Condé Nast family. And they closed in 2015. I was a freelance fashion assistant it was the best team, like Eugene, Matthew, Justin, like literally the best team out there in the menswear world. Um, my focus has always been menswear. And then when we closed in 2015, I went to Capsule Trade Show, which is also based in New York. I was on the men's sales team. It was just myself and Chris Corrado. Shout out to Chris. We had three trade shows per season in New York, Paris, and Las Vegas. They got bought by Liberty, our competitor. While I was at Details and while I was at Capsule, I was also freelancing on the side with Eugene Tong. He was a stylist. And For those of you who don't maybe not know Eugene Tong. Eugene is going to be like, Kate, why are you doing this to me? So Eugene Tong was the style director at Details Magazine. And he is an OG in the menswear world. One of the best stylists out there. He and I worked together as a team to help style and produce fashion shows during New York Men's Week. Um, so we've worked with John Elliott, Public School, Billy Reed, Kith. He's now actually in-house at Kith. So we worked together for 10 years. Incredible. You've literally had, you are the like expert in menswear. I'm like, how did you get to that originally? Like, was there, is there anyone in your family who, you know, was in the fashion industry that kind of when you started out gave you that influence? Yeah. So my mom actually was in the fashion industry. So I grew up around it. I mean, we are from Michigan in a small town in the middle of nowhere. I just grew up with her. She actually does like fashion shows in our hometown for this boutique that's in our town. So I grew up around her doing that. Um, she used to model for this department store called Jacobson's, which was like by far one of my favorite department stores. I used to go with her to those. And like, so I was just around that world. She also was a buyer at Marshall Fields. She was a fur buyer and lived in Chicago. She always just loved fashion. She has her own little like consultancy now. And I... Do you want... have similar styles? No, not at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why we, not? 
my mom loves like the girly girl, but I played a lot of sports growing up. Like I think as you develop and I when I lived in New York because I went to school in Michigan and then I moved to New York after I graduated from college and went to Parsons and like the city just brings out different sides of you that you didn't really know you had. And then, you know, you find new designers and you explore like who you are as an individual. When I was at Parsons, I had to take a lot of different design courses and which I was horrible at design. Like I give so much credit to designers. It's so hard. Learned about the history of fashion and everything. And I just was always really drawn to tailoring. And I think tailoring is such a craft and it's a really, you have to be so precise in attention to detail. I also just love the history of like the suit as nerdy as that sounds. I, I'm a bit of a history buff. So actually my first internship was at Thomas Pink, which is part of the LVMH group. And it was in PR. Realized PR was not for me, but like loved organizing all the ties each season and like pulling for, you know, different celebrities and different magazines. But I didn't want to do PR. I knew that. So I was like, let's do the opposite, which is editorial. And so that's where I kind of started. And then once I was in at details, it was like full in menswear dive. Like I was fully into it. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? No, I don't think I was told that I would be a great businesswoman because where I grew up, like entrepreneur really wasn't used. It was more of like, you would be a great businesswoman. What were the traits that you're displaying that people said that? I have no idea. I think it's just I um, played a lot of sports. Like I was captain of like the volleyball team, basketball team, track. I was on different committees and I was like president of the student council and in college and in high school. And I think I was in a lot of leadership roles where I motivate people and I'm enthusiastic and I'm genuine and I want the best outcome for everybody, not just for myself. And I think that's where people saw it. I also grew up in a home where I had my grandparents were from Italy. They immigrated into the US. My grandfather started his own business. My grandmother like helped run the business with him. And, you know, growing up with them and like them coming to this country where they didn't have anything and they had to really start over and rebuild their life. They constantly, you know, talked to us, my sister and I about like values and what you needed to do. And then I have my dad who's been in the same job for 45 years. He is one of the hardest working people I know, and he loves what he does. Seeing that and being around it and being around some of the people that donate to the college that are CEOs of big companies, you don't realize you're getting inspired, but you get inspired at such a young age and you're just kind of becoming a sponge of like listening to those conversations. But being around, you know, my mom also continued working and she gave up a lot of her career for us. But um, she also then went back and she's still working in the fashion industry and working on the fashion shows. And even my sister, she works doing good for the world and is part of NGO and works more so in the women and children sector. She also loves what she does. So for us, it's like work hard, love what you do. Just growing up around all of this really made me realize that I can do this. You gave a little brief introduction about 100 ml. Yeah. What was the journey like to get there? Tell us a little bit about that. So I traveled a lot. I've always loved to travel as a hobby, but then I traveled a lot for work once I started my own consulting business for project management. So I started traveling to Copenhagen a lot. I was traveling to Paris. I was traveling to Italy and London. And I just love being on a plane. I know that sounds sick, but I love it. <laughs> it's twisted. It is twisted. <laughs> and I love everything part of the journey. The one part I did not like was the pre 
travel errands of like having the day of like running around the city, buying all your products, trying to transfer your products from a big size to a smaller size because you were afraid the airline was going to lose your bag. So you carried on. And I was just thinking how like inconvenient it was because like I was also trying to get my work done so that because when you're traveling, even when you're for work and you have multiple clients and you're traveling for one specific client, you're not really paying as much attention to all the other clients. So you are trying to get as much work done for everybody before you leave. And I just thought this is so inconvenient because I also have to go to so many different stores and I can't always find products that are in travel size. And I was wasting so much of my own products trying to transfer it. And I never use all of it in that small travel pouch. So I thought, this is ridiculous. I kind of just want to take this into my own hands and start a very curated section of travel. This is post-pandemic. And then I started just slowly doing some research. I put together a questionnaire and I sent it out to everybody. And I told them to send it out to everybody. And it was just questions about how people traveled, like what was their behavior? What did they pack? What did they normally forget? What do they feel like isn't available for them? You just spoke about the, you know, your survey of your friends. Did you also have any like analysis of trends that were happening? Because I would imagine that is like a bigger trend in the sense that when I hear about 100 ml, I love the fact that it's traditionally like women care about mm-hmm. makeup, ensuring like good skincare routines. And I think particularly because, you know, the working woman has evolved over the last however many years, there's like an increasing need for it as well, because these products have never been built for us Mm -hmm. because there's never been as big a demographic of, you know, the 100 ml consumer before. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely seeing a trend right now. Like I've read a few articles where people are spending just as much money on their skincare as they are on their ticket to go someplace or like beauty sales are only going up. A lot of retailers are actually in small boutiques are actually creating a lifestyle section of their store because they're realizing that it's a huge opportunity for them as well. I mean, obviously, they need to curate it so it matches. It's not going to be the same as no one's ever trying to become the next Sephora. I'm not even trying to become the next Sephora. I want to stay super curated. Yeah, we're seeing those trends. We're also seeing from that survey I did, like I also realized that men are also looking for a simple routine to take on the go with them that they can just throw in their bag and go. What I really wanted to achieve with this was step one, everything needs to be 100 ml or less. Step two, it needs to be highly curated selection of products that are actually needed. And it's a testing phase for that and brands that make sense for what people are looking for. Step three was sourcing a bag that was airport security friendly that you didn't have to take everything out. In the US, you can kind of everything you can pretty much leave in your bag at this point, or you can put it in any sort of clear bag. In Europe and in the UK, everybody gets those little plastic baggies. I was like, I'm so overstopping and getting this plastic baggie. And like, for some reason, I always had an issue with that. So I sourced this like clear biodegradable pouch that has worked in multiple airports globally. It's actually like, the most convenient thing in the entire world because you don't stop. You just whack it in the bin and at the airport security and watch it go through. It's all so beautiful as well. You know, that's what I mean. Like there is that when you mentioned curation, like I think that's also so important to your brand. Mm -hmm. And when you're building a brand, like how have you gone about doing that curation process? I think naturally you have great design aesthetic. Like how do you bring that into your branding? For sure. I mean, I definitely brought on like a designer in the early stages to really build a brand identity. 
the logo is the airplane window and everything from like the typeface and the numbers and everything. It's an inspiration from the old timetable boards in airports where they used to flip and tick over. Our colors are like sky blue and the beige is jet stream. And like you're at that point where you're like, everything's coming together. You know what I mean? And, you know, for the curation of it and with the brands, I work with a very good friend of mine who I've known for many years and he's an advisor. He's my merchandising advisor, Stephen Wildenberg. He actually has his own uh, lifestyle showroom called Golden Meteors. He loves beauty and wellness products. And so we've been working together on coming up with the brands and the curation. Um, When we first did our friends and family launch, we launched with 11 brands. You know, we have Aesop, which we launched with, which I was like shocked they wanted to work with us. That was like a pinch me moment. Same with Maud. Like I have so much respect for Ava, their CEO and Salt and Stone and Ursa Major, but then some really amazing up and coming brands like Super Egg and Less. And so, yeah, we launched with 11 brands. And then for our soft launch, we added on another seven brands from Moon Juice, Grown Alchemist, August, which I'm really excited about. And Everyday Humans, which is like this new sunscreen brand. Like we wanted brands that like resonated with the millennial crowd, but we also wanted brands that resonated with the Gen Z crowd because, you know, we're again, still in this testing phase of like what brands are working, what brands aren't going to work. The thing is, is for us, like we wanted to make sure that we covered the right range of products that could be a two-in-one product, but we had just sunscreen on its own. Maybe we had the moisturizer from Aesop that's like a moisturizer and a sunscreen, you know, so we wanted to make sure that with the curation of this, it was just really well thought about and really thought through because also we buy inventory and we don't want to be sitting on so much inventory. I love the curation of the products as well, obviously the design, but then also the products. Mm-hmm. And you you talked about, you know, sexual wellness and how that is integrated mm-hmm. into the product mm-hmm. system. And can you talk a little bit more about those products and you yeah. know the importance of So we launched with Mod, which is this incredibly beautiful sexual wellness brand. I thought it was important to have it because I think we need to destigmatize sexual wellness a little bit. We're all humans. We all like pleasures and have needs. So it is an important part of your daily routine. And so for me, I thought it was important to have something for that category. So we have six curated pouches and one of them is the Mile High Club pouch and we launched it for Valentine's Day this last year. It's for a couple, but it's also for a single person as well. And there are studies that show that like, you know, masturbation and orgasm like helps to relieve stress and it's really good for your cortisol levels and your endorphin levels. And so when you're traveling, you get stressed. If you're traveling for work, you're stressed. But also, if you just want to like enjoy yourself, it's important. And so I really wanted that to be accessible. We have everything from their two lubes, their condoms, the vibrator, the vibe. I'm not ashamed of talking about it. And I don't think people should be ashamed of buying it and like using it. We also have August, which is a menstrual brand for anybody who menstruates. All of their products are organic cotton. There's no bleach. They're a sustainable tampon sanitary brand. They blew up on TikTok. The products are incredible. And I think that's another part of like, isn't ever talked about, about how like tampons and pads are not available in the most obvious places, like on an airplane or in hotels. 
I've had so many calls with their team about like, how can we partner in bigger ways for hotels and also maybe down the line of like, you know, doing initiatives locally and then hopefully globally. So you talked a little bit about you, your advisors. I would love to hear like how you, what the structure of 100ML looks like from an advisory board, how you set that up, how you maintain it and how they have influenced or, you know, had an influence over the brand. For sure. So I have an amazing advisory board team for advisors. One's like a bit more silent, but um, I have Eric Mogul, who is my main advisor. He's like a COO. I met him through my old roommate in New York. He used to be at Michael Kors and my old roommate was at Michael Kors at the time and we met. And when I ran into him last year in London, he thought the idea was awesome and was just like, call me if you want to have any questions or want to like bounce any ideas. So I found myself calling him. I never do this. I'm like, I don't want to be a bother. Found myself calling him. And then we just started having like monthly calls and then it rolled into bi-weekly calls. And then now it's weekly calls. I then had Carolyn Bothwell, who is the founder of Freelance Founders, which is one of my clients. And I'm a partner with her in that. And I brought her on from a marketing perspective and copywriting. So everything, tone of voice, everything has been from her. And then Steven Wildenberg is my merchandising advisor. And then I have one other one for like fundraising. And overall, like he's a good friend of mine and launched his own business. And what is the funding structure of 100ML? Is it self-funded? It's all been bootstrapped. I did a small friends and family round. So that was like three or four people, just like really tight, super small people that just really wanted to get in early. And then I have a board and the board is Eric and my dad. My dad's like, I think, number one fan of 100ML. When I do speak to him, he's like, not even how are you? How's business? How's 100ML? So we've had to set some boundaries because I'm like, I'm a human. I'm your daughter. (laughs) That Um, is very sweet, though. It is. It's nice. He really believes in it. So I was like, yes, you need to be on the board because I also needed somebody who was going to vote in my favor. All the advisors Have you actually... seen succession? I yeah, mean, exactly. <laughs> don't trust him. <laughs> I know. I'm like, hold on. All the our advisors, they are there for sweat equity. So they all have a percentage of the company. And then I have the majority. And then it's a very new world. This fundraising and equity side of things is really new for me. We're actually entering our first official raise in October. So it'll be a pre-seed. You mentioned you've learned so much along the way in the last year or so. What have been the biggest learnings and what is some of the advice that you would give to like budding entrepreneurs? My biggest thing is if you make a mistake, don't be hard on yourself. Learn from that mistake. Take time to absorb what you did and then what you maybe would do in the future. And it's okay to move on from it. Don't beat yourself up. Don't sit still and just be like, I need to give up on this because I did this. Money is money. That's another thing. Like you spend a lot of money as a startup. We're very lean right now. It's mainly me and the advisors. I have a few like freelancers to help with design and somebody to help with like social, but we're a very lean company and still the money goes. Money will go, but if you believe in what you're doing, you know that's going to come back. And so that took me a really long time to learn because the financial side of things, because I was bootstrapping it, it's been something that keeps you up at night. It's also a really hard time to fundraise right now. And there's businesses popping up everywhere. And yes, I believe 100ML is an amazing idea. And I believe in every cell of my body that this is going to be a successful company. But you also have to realize that there are times you're going to get so many no's and you kind of just have to move forward. Have I had my fair share of meltdowns? 1000%. 
The other thing that another founder told me after I had to let go of somebody because we just couldn't afford to keep her on, but she had equity, so she could have stayed on if she wanted to, and we were going to back pay her once we closed a raise. And she walked away and she was with me from the start. So that was a really hard thing because our brains aren't really wired to, yes, you're the founder, yes, you're the CEO, yes, you're you know placing orders and you're coming up with the social plan and you're doing the newsletters and you're getting partnerships in order. You kind of forget that you're a human and that that can impact you. And yes, it's just business, but I'm a very empathetic and I'm a genuine person. And so it really was one of the hardest things I think I've ever had to do was actually have that conversation. Being transparent with the team, I think, is really important because it kind of allows you to be vulnerable in the position that you're in, but it also allows you to have the team be involved in like every day. And you want to hear what the team has to say and the ideas that they have. And I think sometimes when you aren't transparent, you're not able to get those ideas or they're not put out in the way that maybe the person would ever approach you with. The tip the other founder of another company told me was, and I've literally been like, this has just been sitting with me, is hire slow, fire fast. And I think that that's a really important thing because I think you sometimes hire fast and then fire slow. And so that is something I'm definitely taking forward with me. Yeah, I mean, entrepreneurship is grueling, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, it will pay off. And I think sometimes what I've seen is like focusing on the, you know, details. But mm-hmm. when you're, you're creating a movement, it's something bigger. Mm-hmm. And just taking a step out of that is so important sometimes. So we are obsessed with 100 ml. We love it so much. And I, we love, love, love your brand. So thank you for creating it yeah. and being the amazing, empathetic leader that you are. Final question. Yeah. What's next for 100 ml? So we're entering our raise. I just signed with a new PR agency. I feel very official. Yeah, it's really exciting. We're really getting ready for the raise. Also, again, like we're a very lean team. So we're also really focusing a lot on partnerships. So we are actually in the middle of a partnership with the White Hotel in Brooklyn. Um, we're part of a special stay with them. If you book the end of summer stay, you get a free pouch that the White curated, which is called Oops, I Forgot, which is really cute. So it has some of our products in that. We are going to be doing a partnership with a spa in New York. I can't say who yet, but... Are you excited about really it? Really excited. And so we'll be in their beauty bar in their location and also selling a curated pouch in their retail store and also doing some events with them. We are just talking to loads of hotels and our brands to see how we can all partner together a little bit more because we, for me, bringing on these brands and these partners are not just a one-time thing. It's like we really want to build a relationship with them and and help each other grow. So yeah, partnerships, raise... Very busy. Partnership, raise, PR, and also start bringing on some new brands. I mean, I checked and we had over 70 brands email wanting to work with us, which was like the most exciting thing to see. And I was so humbled. And we have a lot coming up in the next year. And yeah, so I'm really excited. I'm about so it. excited to see what's to come. I've got quick fire brand questions. Okay. Top trait that you need for entrepreneurship empathy. Won't leave the house without. My Evelyn lip balm. Who are you taking inspiration from? Um, my sister. Top podcast recommendation. Freelance Founders Podcast because I'm the host of it and it's amazing. Best advice for your younger self. 
I actually don't have any advice. I don't think I'd go back and change anything. I think if anything, it would be to always lead with compassion. And it's okay to say now. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you, Maeve.